They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. <laughs> Double duty here, Mary. God bless you. It's not on. <laughs> okay. you, now you are. Now we're on. Okay, we are live. Welcome can to you, Bible with the Barbers. You can tell. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Great day. Great day. Well, we want to start out here today with our little scripture reading for, um, and this is, again, this is the scripture reading for the day. We have, we are in the 31st week in ordinary time. We're coming up on the end of the year. Uh, Christ the King is the last Sunday of the year, mm-hmm. which will be the last Sunday of November here. Um, and the reading for today, the gospel, is from the Gospel of Luke, Luke 14, 15 through 24. Mm-hmm. One of those at table with Jesus said, Blessed is the one who will dine in the kingdom of God. He replied, A man gave a great dinner, to which he invited many. When the time for dinner came, he dispatched his servants to say to those invited, Come, everything is now ready. But one by one, they all began to excuse themselves. The first said to him, I have purchased a field and must go and examine it. I ask you, consider me excused. Another said, I have purchased five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to evaluate them. I ask you, consider me excused. And another said, I have just married a woman and therefore I cannot come. The servant went and reported this to the master. Then the master of the house in a rage commanded his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in here the poor the crippled, the blind, and the lame. The servant reported, Sir, your orders have been carried out, and there's still room. The master then ordered the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedgegroves and make people come in that my home may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited will taste any of my dinner. Mm. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is warning people. I mean, this, this man is eating a meal with the Lord, and he's like, oh, blessed are those who eat in the kingdom of heaven. We think, oh, yeah, yeah, right, cool, this is cool. Everybody, should, Jesus should say, yeah, you're right. Blessed are those who will eat the, uh, in the kingdom of heaven. And instead, Jesus tells this parable. Mm-hmm. And the parable is about what? It's about a man who gives a great dinner, and he invites lots of people. Mm-hmm. But when time comes, the people make excuses. What's going on here? Jesus is warning us. These people were invited to have to be guests to this man with a wealthy man. Mm-hmm. And yet when the time comes, they have other attachments that they're not going to leave behind. We have been invited to live forever with God in heaven. When the time comes, are we going to make excuses because we're too attached to the things of this world? Are we going to say, well, Lord, you know, don't take me just yet. I've got to do this. Or don't take me this just yet. I want to make this money. Or don't take me just yet. I want to see this, uh, or don't take me just yet. You know, are we going to be ready when he calls? Let me give another example. Holy day of obligation. Want to go to mass? I'm kind of (laughs) tired. I got a TV show I got to watch. See, we reap what we sow. Exactly. And what the gospel is telling us is that we really do need to be generous to God. We do, because he's given everything to us. And so when you think about holy hours or even going to mass on Sunday, 
it's just good time management to give back to God because that's where your blessings will come. Absolutely. And, and God has given us everything. Yep. We can't take a single breath without nope. God saying, take that breath. Right. And the deal is God gives us a share in his own life. Mm-hmm. He wants us to live with him for all eternity, not just, not just in time, but for all eternity. And so he wants us to be with him forever. And the deal is we're not going to, you know, if we live our life apart from God, we're not suddenly at the end of our life going to decide, oh, yeah, gee, uh, maybe I should turn to God, you know? And, and by the way, after death, we're not, death doesn't change our will. It only solidifies it, as Mother Angelica used to say. Yes. So we need to set our will now to do his will. So we've been invited. Are we preparing so that we'll be ready to go when the Lord calls us, when he says it's time? Okay, well, how do we prepare? The saints show us how to prepare. That's right. You live every moment of every day in the presence of God. Jesus said, pray always. Everything we do should become a prayer. Every moment should be lived in union with God's will. Every moment we should be aware of God's presence. God is always present to us. Are we present to him? The Bible has an analogy. The way the tree bends is the way it falls. So in other words, the way we live is the way we will live. I mean, there's exceptions of people who have deathbed conversions. But I always tell people, don't count on it because... For most of us, we have we're we're going to live the way uh, we're going to die the way we've lived most of our life. Right, and and this ties into what you and Jesse were saying at the end of your show yep. about sacrificing for sinners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where do these deathbed conversions come from? Oh yeah, that's exactly well, they come from the tremendous sacrifices that someone made for that person. Mm-hmm. For instance, uh, Alphonse Radisbon had it. Now his wasn't a deathbed conversion, but he was converted through the intercession of Our Lady the Miraculous Medal. Tell the story. He was Jewish, right? He was Jewish. He was an agnostic Jew, actually, from a very wealthy (laughs) banking family. And before he got married, he was going to make one last, you know, trip through Europe. And he was in Rome. Business trip. And and a a, a business associate gave him a miraculous medal Mm -hmm. and asked him to pray the memorari every day. (laughs) Uh Oh, he's in trouble now. And so he did. He just he said, "I want you to accept this as a token of our our friendship." And, you know, since you have no faith, it's not going to hurt you to say these words. Well, the man who gave him the medal offered his life to God for the conversion of Alphonse. Mm. He made a sacrifice. And so Alphonse, as he was, um, when they, he was with another business associate who was making the arrangements, the funeral arrangements for this man who had died. Now, yeah. nobody knew. I mean, Alphonse didn't know that this man had offered his life to God. Right. And so um, they're making the funeral arrangements. And so the, the man who was Catholic goes into the rectory to make the arrangements. And Alphonse is looking. This is one of, you know, the churches in Rome are beautiful. Oh, yeah. They're art. They're, it's just beautiful art. Mm-hmm. And so he's looking at this art and he has a miraculous conversion. He receives infused knowledge of the faith and of the state of his soul. And he's converted on the spot. Wow. They, they found him in front of the statue of the Blessed Mother crying. And he became, <coughs> and of course, in addition to that, Alphonse also had a brother who had become a Catholic priest. Yep. Now, that brother, once he became Catholic, was cut off from the Jewish family. He was considered dead. But now Alphonse becomes, and, and again, you have the story of, that Father Murr tells about the general in, in Mexico. Yep. Well, what did you have? You had this woman who lived, who, you know, he had essentially kidnapped and raped, and, you know, she became his common-law wife, his civil wife, and she prayed for him, and she had all their children pray for him. For 60 years. Yep. And finally, finally on his deathbed, all that grace comes, you know, flowing in and he responded to it. Beautiful. But someone's willing to make that sacrifice. And we all need to try and make sacrifices for each other. So we need to not count on, you know, like, well, somebody else make the sacrifices for me. I don't want to make them, you know. No. 
let me be the first one. Make the sacrifice. Turn to the Lord today. Ask the Lord today to help you to live in his presence constantly and so that you'll be ready when he calls you, when he says it's time for the feast. And Mary, this is what we mentioned about Our Lady of Fatima, yeah. the message, and you know, shows the vision of hell and that souls are going like snowflakes are dropping right. into hell. Exactly. And I see this today in our culture where, you know, immorality is, is all over the place. You just right. turn the TV on, you open a magazine, you get a book, right. and they're just very bad. Right. And so what can you do as our listener? Offer up all the sufferings and give that to Jesus and realize that souls are going to hell because no one is willing to pray and sacrifice for them. I'll give you a real practical aspect of sacrifice. Let's say you like a TV show. It might be neutral, just neutral. It's not bad. It's not good. Offer that sacrifice of not watching it for the salvation of souls. Maybe you have a son or a daughter that's not practicing the faith. Good idea. Let's lift them up in prayer and make a sacrifice for the graces to be there for them to say yes to Jesus. Amen. And and the thing is, is, you know, sometimes we live like we're we're um, what we we called in philosophy extreme dualists. Oh yeah. That I can do anything I want with my body as long as you know. Well, I just say in my will. Well, I don't want to consent to sin, but but I never try to do anything to remove the near occasion of sin. Mm-hmm. I don't pray fervently to overcome the the um, weaknesses of the flesh. Instead, I just indulge them. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. I can't say that with my will I'm choosing God as long as with my body I am deliberately sinning. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. You can't, you know, you can't say, well, I'm not intending to commit idolatry, but I refuse to pray. I won't keep the first commandment. I'm not going to honor God. I'm not going to make him first. Um, excuse me, you know, what we do with our body mm-hmm. affects. That's right. That's a choice we are making with the will. And once we know the true good, and God is the true good we're supposed to choose, we need to use our body to serve the Lord. And we can't pretend like, well, it's okay, I can do anything I want with my body as long as, you know, in my my soul, in my mind, I'm just saying, well, I don't consent to that. Well, honey, if you're not taking, you know, the steps to avoid the new occasion of sin, you're consenting, you know, don't stop at the bar tonight on the way home. You know, don't drink the first beer if you know that you're not going to stop at one and you're going to drink three or four and you're going to be intoxicated. You can never give your will over to a substance and you should never give your will over to another human being. We give our will to God, to God alone. So we need to avoid the near occasions of sin. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, well, I don't want to commit fornication, but I'm going to make sure that I'm, you know, kissing and petting and necking with my girlfriend and I'm seeing bad movies and I'm listening to music that encourages me to do this. And I'm spending time alone with her in the dark or in a, in a bedroom. And um, honey, you're not being honest. Absolutely. You're not being honest. You know, we. Yeah. Actions speak louder than words. Yeah. I just summarized what she just said. You know why? Because I'm not a theologian, but. Let's just face it, your actions are going to speak much louder than what you say. When we come back, Murray, what are we going to cover? Well, we're first we're going to talk about a question of the week. Oh, I love those Q&As. Yeah, we want to talk about the priesthood. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Well, we need holy priests today, Mary. And, and, and should we have women priests? Well, that's a good that's question. That's the, the question we want to really hit today. All right, when we'll come back, get yourself a strong cup of coffee. We'll be right back. <laughs>
Welcome to our January 11, 2020 Spiritual Warfare Conference. Every year without fail, this is our most popular, well-attended event. This year's Spiritual Warfare Conference will host Adam Bly, a Catholic demonologist and an auxiliary member of the International Association of Exorcists, along with Dr. Luis Sandoval, a psychiatrist who's part of the Healing, Deliverance, and Exorcism team for the Diocese of Orange. These two gentlemen bring tons of experience and expertise in the area of spiritual warfare. This is going to be a high-information Catholic seminar. I'll be there as well, sharing some riveting stories on the diabolical and liberation found through Jesus Christ from my best-selling book, The Devil in the City of Angels. Mark your calendars, come and join us, and meet other radio hosts from Jesus 911. Contrary to popular belief, spiritual warfare is not demon-centered. It's Christ-centered. Come join us and learn how to armor up and fight the good fight of faith. Catholics, wake up. Don't hit the snooze button. Join us at St. Christopher Catholic Church, 629 South Glendora Avenue, West Covina, California, on January 11, 2020. See you then. Strength and honor in Jesus' name. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, St. Paul says, So there abide faith, hope, and love, these three. According to St. Ignatius of Antioch, faith is the beginning and love is the end. And God is the two of them brought into unity. Then comes everything else that makes up a Christian. May God grant that we may attain all the virtues that make for authentic followers of His Son. selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back here. And there's a lot of discussion nowadays, again, about should women be ordained to the priesthood? Well, that's interesting because um, this question was supposed to have been closed in 1994. Absolutely. Pope John Paul II, now St. John Paul II, wrote an apostolic letter to all the bishops of the Catholic Church, um, Ordinatio Sacerdotalis, okay? Mm-hmm. And in the end of that letter, he says, Wherefore, in order that all doubt may be removed regarding a matter of great importance, a matter which pertains to the Church's divine constitution itself, divine constitution, God willed the Church to be, Okay. And the order of the church in terms of having, you know, bishops and priests and laity, that's willed by God. Okay, this is divine constitution of the church. In virtue of my ministry of confirming the brethren, this is the Pope writing, in virtue of my ministry of confirming the brethren, I declare that the church has no authority whatsoever to confer priestly ordination on women and that the judgment is to be definitively held by all the church's faithful. Okay? Yep. And this isn't just a discipline. This is a matter of the faith. Now, okay, so 
what's the biblical basis here? What where does the church get this teaching? Where does she well, where does the church get any of her teachings? It's interesting because in paragraph two, they quote Pope Paul VI. And what they say here is that Pope Paul VI said, the church does not consider herself authorized to admit women to priestly ordination. Now, the fundamental reason for this is that the real reason, the, the basis, all right, they, you what's your bottom line, you know? What, what's, what's the pay dirt here? The real reason is that in giving the church her fundamental constitution, her theological anthropology thereafter, always followed by the church's tradition, Christ established things in this way. Okay, what is the Pope talking about? Well, when Jesus chose the apostles, he chose 12 people, right? Human beings. But guess what? They were all men. Oh, but Jesus was just confined by the, the social norms of his day. Was he? Oh, really? Have you read the Gospels very carefully? And the Pope points this out in the document. Jesus was not confined by the social norms of his day. As a matter of fact, Jesus broke the social norms of his day. Jesus touched women. Jesus allowed women to touch him. You know, even nowadays, an Orthodox Jew will not shake hands with a woman, you know, in public. And, and he doesn't, you know, the only woman he touches is his wife and maybe his daughters. I don't know it that closely. But so, no, Jews, Jesus broke with the social norms of his days. He kept company with women. He allowed the women to follow them. The women assisted them. But the women weren't chosen to be one of the 12. Now, was there any woman in history that might have been a candidate? You think? The Blessed Mother. Of course. And the church clearly affirms this. She is in higher dignity than any other human being in the church. She has a higher dignity than any of the popes or bishops or, you know, or any of the saints. Mary is the mother of God. And Jesus doesn't choose her to be a priest. He doesn't give her this unique identification with himself in the ordained ministerial priesthood. I just want to add one thought. When you quote Pope Paul VI, this was November 30th, 1975. And I'll just to give the historical perspective the Anglican Church was ordaining women for their diaconate, and to after they did the diaconate, it made sense for them to do their priesthood. Now, uh, I say this because Pope Paul VI was making it clear that we're not going to do that. And what's interesting, Mary, right now in 2019, we're, we're being disobedient of what St. John Paul II said because he said this is a issue that should be a closed issue. It shouldn't be brought up again. And it is being brought up again. So uh, I think that there's an agenda inside the Catholic Church today that's trying to force the church to ordain women, which even if it happened, Mary, and I'm just giving you my take on it from all the theologians I've talked to, it, uh, you, I can't have a baby, okay? I'm a man. Right, exactly. And a, a, a woman, if, if she was ordained, which they She had, wouldn't be a priest. She wouldn't be a priest. It, it doesn't happen. Yeah. It doesn't happen. And, and what you brought out, just to, to this, mm-hmm. this, Paul VI actually wrote, because the Anglicans, the, the Archbishop of Canterbury wrote That's to right. him yep. and asked about the question. That's interesting, isn't it? Here, the Archbishop of Canterbury, you know, who's uh, presiding over the Church of England, is asking the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church, well, what about this ordination of women thing? And the Pope says, no, you can't do it. Christ didn't intend it. It can't be done. You can't ordain women. It's, it, it's not a possibility. And the deal is, it's not about power. 
It's not about, you know, who has all the authority, who has all the power. No, you want power in the church? Become a saint. The saints have the greatest power in the church. You know, and we'll talk about that hopefully today in our Bible study with Paul. And and God's grace is what gives us power because what is the power that we have? The power over sin. We have the power to live a life free of sin if we're willing to turn to the Lord and ask him for that. So the church has given us this instruction. And another part of the instruction that was given was in a document from the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith. And the name of the document is Inter Insigniores. That's the Latin term. And this particular um, document was written by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, October 15, 1976. Inter Insigniores. Okay, and it's on the question of the admission of women to the ministerial priesthood. And if any of you have the companion to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1577 talks about the fact that only men can be ordained to the priesthood. So if you have the companion to the Catechism of the Catholic Church that Ignatius Press published, um, you can go to the companion, and it has this document from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. It has a, a, a... quite a large section of this document here and you can read it. It's, it's uh, on page 573 in the companion of the catechism of the Catholic church, paragraph 1577 footnote. It takes the, what that the companion does is it takes the footnotes from the catechism and then it expounds on them. What do they actually say? So instead of just seeing the footnote and the reference and you have to look up the reference, you can go to the companion of the catechism of the Catholic church and then you can look up the paragraph of that and then you can look, read all the footnotes, <laughs> what they actually say. And I'm going to go bold enough to say this, Mary. You know uh, Father Ray Ryland, who was an Anglican. Yes. In the late 70s, he was very disappointed in the Anglican Church ordaining women. Yeah. And many, many Anglicans were asking for admission to the Catholic Church back then. Right. And there was a special indult that St. John Paul II allowed all these Anglican priests to become Catholic priests. Right. And what's interesting, folks... Now it's 2019 here at our Sacred Heart Chapel. We have the Anglican ordinance. That's right. Which is a, all these Anglicans that came into the Catholic Church because they were looking for orthodoxy. Right. They were looking for the apostolic teachings of the church and they realized that their church had compromised and that they didn't want to be there. And Benedict Sixteenth in 2008, nine, I guess, because it's a 10-year anniversary, gave him... Uh, an option to come in, and now they're growing all over the world. And what I love about them is a little side note is that their liturgies are so beautiful. My wife and I come every Sunday here at the Sacred Heart Chapel at 9 a.m., and I would love to have you come because once you come, you're not going to stop coming. Yeah, and and so to sum up, the, the the main reason we can't do it is because Christ didn't do exactly. it. Exactly. And he didn't intend for his church to do it. Remember, the church isn't the arbiter of the faith. No. The church was given a sacred deposit of faith by Jesus Christ. And she's supposed to safeguard that sacred deposit and see to it Mm -hmm. that nobody changes what Jesus taught. Amen. Okay. And I know, you know, some Protestants are, I I was looking for some information on this because the the app listener asked the question about, you know, what's the best argument for not letting women be priests? Well, the best argument is that Jesus never did it. (laughs) He didn't intend to do it. And no, he wasn't just confined by the social norms of his day. He broke them all the time. But 
the the the, the anti Catholics online they have these things and they say, well, you see. The, the Catholic priesthood claims that the, these priests are acting in the person of Christ. And so this is, Jesus had said in the Gospels, well, if anyone comes in my name claiming to be me, don't listen to them. Well, this is not what the Catholic priesthood is about. A priest is not claiming to be Jesus Christ come back, okay? The priest, by virtue of his ordination, and he doesn't choose this on his own, he's called by God. Every priest is chosen from among men, but he's called by God, Read Hebrews 5, 1 through 10. And so, the, and the priest is always ordained to offer sacrifice. That's right. But he shares in the priesthood of Christ. Jesus Christ is the priest. And he carries on his ministry. And at the Last Supper, when he instituted the Eucharist, he said to the apostles, do this in memory of me. In other words, repeat my actions. But by repeating his actions, we're not crucifying Christ again. Jesus Christ acts in and through the priest to make present to us his one eternal Paschal mystery. And Jesus Christ is the priest, the altar, and the lamb of sacrifice. And through the priest, the prayers of the people are brought to God, and God's grace is brought to the people. This is what Jesus Christ set up in his church. This is the hierarchy of the church. He set this up. He willed it. This is divinely willed. This comes from God. I just want to say we don't have time to answer this part of the question because I can hear someone saying, what about this women's deacons? Because that's part of the ordination. No, when we next week, I'd like to at least address that follow-up on showing that it had nothing to do with priestly ordination uh, about women being deaconesses. Deaconesses in the early it was church. all about, I'll give you a tip. It was about when women were being baptized, these women would help them because they weren't, they had clothes on. Obviously, men aren't going to be there to baptize them and help them do that. So deaconesses of the early church had nothing to do with ordination. Okay, I broke it before. I didn't think we'd have time to say that. But Mary, thank you for answering. Now, people can go to the app and ask other questions, correct? Oh, yes, they can answer. And I know I've been a little behind. We've been kind of busy lately. I'm sorry. Some of the questions I didn't get answered from the, the end of October there, but I'm working on them. I'm getting to those questions. Good. But I, but I wanted to bring this one up today. I thought this I was think good. It's appropriate. It's impro- it, it is appropriate. And, it, and the church, Pope John Paul II said this is a closed issue. It is not to be discussed. Yes, so, implement that. Excuse me, folks. So we, we need to really pray. We need to pray and sacrifice. Again, we have to pray. And remember something. A pope is infallible in matters of faith and morals when he speaks for the universal church. As a private theologian, he can be an error. Well, we know that. Okay? And in addition to that, there is no claim that the Pope will not sin. The not Pope impeccable. is not impeccable. Yeah. Only Jesus Christ was impeccable. He was incapable of sinning. And by a special grace, his mother was incapable of sinning because she was to carry him in her, in his, she carried him in her womb. And not only that's interesting, we won't get into that. But um, the reality is, is that the Pope is just, he's a human being just like us. He needs grace. He needs tremendous amounts of prayer and sacrifice to be offered for him so that he can respond to the right. Holy Spirit. Are we praying for the Pope? Uh, yeah, exactly. And are we sacrificing for the Pope? Amen. So we need to pray and sacrifice for the Pope and for all of us sinners. <laughs> and we'll be back here with that. Uh, we're going to look at the Acts of the Apostles, oh, and we're going to talk about Paul's uh, trial and his uh, hearer's response to his trial and then his journey to Rome. And don't forget, Mary, you're doing your Bible study at 7 o'clock tonight at the Sacred Heart Chapel. That's right. We'll be there. I hope you're there, too. Amen. We'll be back with much more at Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app for him. I went on vacation, and you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, Hey, man, I've been listening to the Terry and Jesse show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a week. He goes to the Mass in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, He's an on-fire Catholic, and he promotes uh, the Terry and Jesse show and the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Wow. Daniel, what a testimony. And I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. This is Terry Barber. I want to invite you to take advantage of having your funeral or your loved one's funeral at the Sacred Heart Chapel in downtown Covina. It's a 115-year-old church beautiful chapel and all you got to do is call me at 661-972-7872 and i'll personally make the arrangements with your mortuary to have your funeral or your loved one's funeral here at sacred heart chapel you won't regret it buying or selling your home or your business property this is terry barber real estate for life underwrites the terry and jesse show And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Well, thank you, Jesse. And here we are. Last week we left Paul before um, King Agrippa and Festus, and they were they were trying him. And um, so Paul has explained to them his position. And again, Paul is, he doesn't um, <laughs> shy away from preaching the gospel. Here he is in prison. He's been falsely accused. And yet he's preaching the gospel. He's trying to reach out to both the Roman governor and the king of the Jews, King Agrippa, to embrace the faith. So he doesn't shy away from it. And that's, he's evangelical, you know, from the beginning. And that was it. He was evangelical. So what happens here? Well, Festus responds by saying, Paul, your much learning has made you mad. Well, what's, what's the deal? You know, it's like, no, I, I can't accept this truth. You know, I, I don't, you know, Jesus Christ is, is, he suffered and he died and now he's alive. And what are you talking about? And what does that mean? And, 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 um, you know, Paul tells Festus, well, you know, it's okay. My, my only duty is to preach Christ here. And I'm, that's what I've done. And um, I, the, the king, I'm speaking to King Agrippa and he's very familiar with all of this. He knows the ways of the Jews and he knows about the Messiah and who the Messiah is. And who he should be, and what it should you know what his coming would look like, and so I'm addressing Agrippa here. 
So the, the apostolate is the responsibility and the duty with which Christ charges every Christian at all times. Nothing is more useless than a Christian who is not dedicated Amen. to saving his brethren. That's our whole purpose as Christians, is to bring Christ to others. Amen. That's what Paul is doing here. Do not appeal to your poverty. He who has alms amounted to only two coins would rise up and accuse you, if you did. And so would Peter, who says, silver and gold, I have none. So don't say, well, I can't do it. I don't have its resources. Don't trust in God. Trust in God. And Paul, who was so poor that he would often go hungry, do not appeal to your humble circumstances because they too were humble people of modest conditions. Do not appeal to your lack of knowledge for they too were unlettered. Remember what the Sanhedrin said about the apostles? Mm -hmm. Are you a slave or a runaway? Onesimus was one. Are you unwell? So was Timothy. This is from a sermon by St. John Chrysostom. So don't make excuses for not sharing the gospel with others. Mm. That's what St. John Chrysostom is telling us. Paul is here before Agrippa, and he's sharing the gospel. This is like, this is my one-ditch chance. I mean, here's Agrippa. I'm heading for Rome. I, I'm going to preach it to him now, and he can either accept it or reject it. But it, and it's up to him. But charity demands that we share the gospel with others, that we share the love of Jesus Christ with others. Christ wants to offer you freedom. Freedom from slavery to sin, freedom from slavery to the attachments of this world, freedom from this sleepwalking through life well, where, where all you're doing is going to work and coming home and being entertained and being entertained and then going to work and you're a wage slave and all you're living for is your next paycheck. There's more to live for. Live for Christ. Live the fullness of life. Live in union with God. This is what you're called to. You're called to something more. And so Agrippa says, Paul, in a short time, do you, you think to make me a Christian? Paul's like, long or short, whatever. <laughs> I would that everybody would embrace the Christian message, that everyone would accept Jesus Christ and be baptized and turn away from their sins and turn away from the darkness in which they're living. The only thing I don't want, wish, the only thing I don't um, <laughs> wish to share with you, Agrippa, is my chains. <laughs> I hope you embrace the faith. But I hope you don't have to wear my chains. Mary, you know? just a thought. When I read the Acts of the Apostles in the early church, and then I see what's going on in the Amazon Senate and what happened there for the last 50 years where people are saying they're not wanting to baptize these pagans because, you know, they have their own, you know, traditions and let's respect those. It seems so uh, unbiblical to have that approach. I, I just pray that, that uh, those individuals down there will see that, the biblical approach to proclaiming Jesus Christ to the entire world is what is willed by God. Right, exactly. And that's, you know, it's funny, because Jose Escrivere, mm -hmm. St. Jose Escrivere, as Jose Maria, wrote in Friends of God, charity with everyone means apostolate with everyone. It means we, for our part, must really translate into deeds the great desire of God who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2.4. For Christians, loving means wanting to want, wanting to love. Make up one's mind in Christ to work for the good of souls mm. without discrimination of any kind. Mm. Trying to obtain for them before any other good, the greatest good of all, that of knowing Christ and falling in love with him. 
That's what Christianity is about. It's about a love relationship with someone who loves us so much that they died for us. Amen. He shed every drop of his blood. He prays, he, you know, he reaches out his arms on the cross. I love you this much. And he spares himself nothing. He gives up everything. And so, yes, we as Christians in charity, we should offer this to everyone. And if we're not doing that, we're not living the gospel and we're not being charitable. You know, it would be like finding a poor man in the street and say, oh, well, be warm and well fed, but you don't take care of any of his bodily needs. Uh Uh-uh. It doesn't work that way. You haven't done anything for him. You know, we, we need to serve and we need to bring Christ to others, first of all, by our life. By, by the love that, we, that is in our hearts for Christ, that should show to others by bringing Christ to them. And if we truly love Christ, you know, when you're in love with somebody, have you ever noticed when somebody falls in love and they just can't stop talking about the person, you know, and oh, this, oh everything she does is wonderful and everything, they never, blah, blah, blah. I remember friends of ours when they're, they were teenagers and their brother was going with this girl and they were like, I am so, so tired of hearing her name, Debbie this, and Debbie that, and Debbie that. I'm so tired of hearing her name. It's like, yeah, that's, you know, that's, and so Christ, are we, are we in love enough with Christ to be able to say his name to everyone? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the deal. So we have to pray and we have to continue to spread the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do. And that's what Paul is doing. And here he is, he's in chains, he's in prison. And so, you know, the Festus and the king are, are like, well, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not quite ready to accept it. Well, let's pray for the grace that we can hear what Christ is saying to us and be ready to accept it. And that others can hear also and be ready to accept it. So now Paul has appealed to Caesar. And the reason he appealed to Caesar is because if he went to Jerusalem, the Jews were going to ambush and kill him. Mm. And Jesus told him, no, I want you to witness to me in Rome. So he appeals to Caesar and both Festus and Agrippa agree that had he not appealed to Caesar, he could be released. There's no reason to keep him. But because he's appealed to Caesar, to Rome he must go. So chapter 27 and 28 give the, the um, description of the sea voyage to Rome. And it's not without its trials. They're on the sea for quite a long time. Mm. And they're going from you know Caesarea, and they have to get across the Mediterranean Sea there and past Crete and on on over to Sicily to, to get to Rome. Um, to, you know, they got to get to Italy. So the deal is it's already late in the year. You know, Paul's been in prison for two years, and now it's late. It's getting to be October. And um, they set out on this journey. Well, the difficulty is that you have these storms that come up on the Mediterranean Sea. You know, the Northeaster, well, (laughs) these winds that are pretty violent, gale winds. And so they're going to go, and um, Paul tells them, they're at... um, in, in verse 9 of chapter 27, Paul warns them that they should stay at Crete for the winter. Don't try and get to Rome until next spring. But they don't, the, 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 um, the, command, the person in charge doesn't listen to Paul. It's, um, he listens instead to um, the captain and the owner of the ship. So Paul talked to the centurion who was in charge of the prisoners. And he said, we better stay in Crete for the winter. And they're like, no. And Paul's like, well, if, you, if you take this journey, we're going to have injury and loss. So, you know, just no. But they go ahead and they make the journey. And sure enough, they have these winds come up and they do have injury and loss. And it's not an easy thing. The, 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 what happens is 
as they're trying to get around Crete, a wind comes up that drives them south toward North Africa. And they know that, that in North Africa, there's, there's a lot of sandbars that reach out from the shore, and you can get stuck there. So they're, what they do is they put out their anchors to be a drag anchor to try and keep them from drifting too far south. And they're 40 days, about 40 days, they're, they're traveling and just being blown. And there's a lot of wind. They're not seeing the sun. There's a lot of storms. And the men are fasting. And they're not fasting because they're being heroic. They're fasting because they're so frightened for their lives that they can't eat. And so Paul finally tells them, he says, look, you know, it's going to be okay. And you need to take some food. Um, we're going to find land. We're going to get to a place and we'll, we'll we'll be able to get on land. And um, he, 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 again, he's witnessing. Paul has come to preach the gospel. The Lord is speaking to him all along. And the Lord promises Paul that nobody on the ship is going to die. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Because Paul is there. And Paul is living in union with the Lord. And because of Paul's fidelity, God is going to protect the lives of all 200 plus people on that ship and all the prisoners and nobody's going to escape. The ship is going to be torn apart and fall apart because they didn't listen to Paul in the beginning. But the Lord is confirming Paul by, by showing him what's going to happen so he can warn them so that when it does happen, the people realize there's something about this man that's different than other men. And Paul tells them, he says, men, you should have listened to me and should not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. I now bid you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night there stood by me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. So an angel of the Lord came to him. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And lo, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So Paul's been praying for the lives of the people and their conversion, and God has granted it to them. So the men took heart, and they had something to eat. And they, they had done everything. I mean, they had they had threw over all the cargo. Mm. They'd even thrown over the tackle, the ship's tackle. I mean, the essentials. Yeah. They let go of everything to save their lives. A lesson to be learned there, too. Can't hang on. We can't take anything with us? Can't take anything with us. All right. We'll be back with the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Don't forget, tonight at 7, Bible study at the chapel. We'll be back. This is Jesse Romero. And I'm Terry Barber from the Terry and Jesse Show. And we invite you to listen to the Holy Hour of Power, High Energy Catholic Radio. We're two Catholics with a PhD in common sense. We're on Monday through Friday on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. What we're going to give you is masculine Catholic teachings on the faith. 
You know, we say we're too inspired to be tired, we're too protected to be dejected, and we're too renewed to be subdued. Why? Because we believe in Jesus Christ and His bride, the church. And we will take each issue of the day and show you how the Catholic Church has the answer for our culture. What we really do is bring men back into the Catholic Church, which it's about time to do. We want men to be leaders in their Catholic faith so that they can bring their family to heaven. Our program is not right versus left. It's right versus wrong. And our program is where Catholicism and culture intersect. It's high-energy Catholic radio. We're going to inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and His bride to the church. The Terry and Jesse Show on the Virgin Most Powerful app. Leviticus 11.44 says... Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am holy. St. Vincent Pilati said, You must be holy in the way God asks you to be holy. God does not ask you to be a Trappist monk or a hermit. He wants you to sanctify the world and your everyday life. May God show us the path to holiness and help us to follow it all the days of our life. selling your home or your business property this is terry barber real estate for life underwrites the terry and jesse show and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world and when they receive their referral fee they will give 80 percent of it to a pro-life organization wow that's 80 percent realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back to our last section here. We're just a few minutes left with our show today, and we're talking about Paul and his travel to Rome and this this treacherous journey across the Mediterranean Sea from, from Caesarea to, to Rome, to Italy. And the deal is that... Um, we were talking just before the, the, the break about how they had lightened the load of the ship. They had thrown everything over. When their lives were in danger, they got rid of everything, including the ship's tackle. And, and the, the spiritual lesson to be learned from that is we need to give up everything in this life that keeps us from living the fullness of our faith, that keeps us from living in union with God. We need to really be disciplined with ourselves to be able to give up anything and everything that takes us away from God. Every day our lives should be lived for God and God should be first in our life. So we need to examine ourselves every day and see what's keeping us from God. So Paul had been promised by the angel that um, the, nobody on the ship would die, although they're going to have some problems. So finally, um, they, they hadn't seen the sun for 40 days and now they finally... Um, They'd been drifting for 14 nights now since they've eaten. And um, they perceive that there's land close by. So they, they weigh anchor to, to hold them for the night so that they can see clearly in the morning when there's light. They can get into the harbor, and, and, and so they think they're going to make it. But um, what happens is some of the sailors decide they want to leave the ship 
they're going to sneak away. So they say, well, we got to let we got to lay some anchors at the bow of the ship, and they're getting in a, they're going to get in a boat and get off the ship. And and Paul tells the centurion, he said, if those leave, if those men leave, we'll all die. So the centurion and his men, the men had lowered a boat to get into, and they they cut the boat free, and they tell the sailors they have to stay. They need the sailors there to to maneuver the ship, okay? As long as the ship is still the still they're still on the ship. So everybody's there on the ship, and at dawn they they head for the port, okay? But the deal is is that um, they run aground, the ship gets stuck in a sandbar. And the, what happens is the um, centurion, the, the, the soldiers were going to kill all the prisoners because they, if the prisoners escape, then the soldiers lose their lives. So they were going to kill all the prisoners so they couldn't escape because they could do that. And the, but the centurion wanted to save Paul. So he says, no, you're not going to. And so he tells everyone who can swim, once the ship gets stuck on the sandbar, he tells everyone who can swim to swim to shore and then as the ship breaks up, those who can't swim will grab a piece of board of the ship and they'll float ashore. So they all get they all get to, to, to land. Now they lost the ship. They lost the cargo of the ship. They lost everything. But they didn't lose their lives. And this is the deal in life. You know, sometimes this is, this is a physical reality that took place, a historical event. But it teaches something that's about the spiritual life. You know, sometimes in our lives... We're clinging to the created things of this world and we're losing our souls. We should have God first in our life and not even any human relationship should come between us and God. God should be first. We need to be praying every single day. When you love someone, you want to spend time with them. Do you love God? How can you say you love God when you don't want to spend time with him? You know, Sunday morning, one hour to go to mass, And then, you know, some people come late and leave early. Some people come on time and leave as soon as the last blessing is over. Well, you went to Holy Communion. What about your Thanksgiving? You're going to go to Holy Communion. What about your preparation? Are you preparing? Are we living a life of union with God? Are we living like we love God? Or are we living like God is a burden? You know, okay, so I have to go to Mass on Sunday. Oh, what a burden, you know? Really? Really? Jesus loved us so much he gave his life for us. And it's a burden to go to Mass on Sunday? Maybe we need to pray more. Maybe we need to ask God for more faith, hope, and charity every single day. And ask Him for the grace to know our sins, to be sorry for our sins, to confess our sins, be forgiven for our sins, and do penance for our sins. Yes, we need to do penance. We're not just dunghills covered with snow. Jesus Christ came to redeem us, to change us from within, to make us over into a living image of himself. We're not just dunghills covered with snow. We're transformed by grace into a living image of Jesus Christ. So Paul wants everyone to know this, and he's willing to suffer to spread the gospel. Are we willing to suffer in order to follow Christ? Or does it the first time someone makes fun of us because we're Catholic or because we prayed, we're going to give it up and hide it? No, we need to stand strong. And when someone attacks our faith, when they get upset with us for practicing our faith, we need to tell them, you know what? God is first in my life, and my life has no meaning, and I cannot be charitable to anyone if I do not have the love of God, if I'm not firmly rooted in the love of God. We're selfish, self-centered creatures. 
<laughs> we all suffer from the effects of original sin. Without God's grace, we don't think of anybody but ourselves. And we put ourselves first all the time. But with God's grace, we can think of others. So all of those people out there who are trying to take, you know, anyone out there who's trying to take your friends away from God or say, you should love me more. No, God is first. The first commandment, I am the Lord your God. You shall not have strange gods before me. And that's no created thing should come before God in our life. No created person should come before God in our life. God is first. So the ship is all broken up and wrecked, but the lives are all saved. So we can lose everything of this world in order to gain a life of union with God. And that's what we're trying to do. So they come on ground and they make it. Everybody's there. And the islanders there, the, it turns out they're on the island of Malta. And the natives of Malta there build a fire for them and they try to keep them warm. It's raining. They're trying to give them some protection, some food. They're trying to help them out. And Paul is gathering wood for the fire and he's throwing it on the fire. And in one of the bundles of wood, there was a viper and he didn't know it. And as he throws the wood on the fire, the viper jumps out and latches onto his hand and bites him. Well, he should have died. And the people, the natives seeing this think, oh, this man must be a murderer. And even though he escaped the sea... Now he's going to get he's going to get his comeuppance, you know. <laughs> Justice is going to be served. The life he took, now he has to give his life for. Well, he doesn't die. And um there's a man on the island who owns a lot of lands and his name is Publius. And Publius invites them to come and stay at his home and his father was ill. And Paul prays over Publius's father and the father gets better. And the word gets around Malta that this Paul can, you know, they, now, they, now they're beginning to wonder, you know, for he, he gets bit by a viper and he doesn't die. Is this man a God? And now he's praying over people and they're being healed. But he's preaching Jesus Christ to them. He's not drawing attention to himself. It's not about, oh, yeah, I, I'm Paul and I'm so wonderful. And, oh, look at me. Look what I can do. No, no. I, Paul, can do nothing. Jesus Christ is the one who heals you. It is Jesus who is the healer. And so he's going to preach to these people to tell them the truth of the gospel. He's not going to say, oh, well, they've got their own religion and they need to be left in their own darkness. No, remember, he comes, Jesus Christ came to free us from the darkness of idolatry and sin. That's the darkness he comes to free us from. But if we remain, if we set our wills against him, if we're stubborn and unteachable, Jesus isn't going to save us against our own will. We have to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I want you to save me. Teach me the truth of how much you love me. Teach me what it really means to be your follower. Show me how to sacrifice for others. Show me how to follow you in the darkness and in the confusion. And remember, we have the church, and we have the teachings of the church no pope has the authority to change the sacred deposit of faith that was left to us by Jesus Christ. We don't worship the pope. We worship Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and he left to his church a sacred deposit of faith. It doesn't change. Now, we have to grow in our understanding of the faith. We have to make it part of our life. We have to serve the faith with our life. 
but it doesn't change. And so if you're confused, read what the church has always taught. Read the catechism. By the way, if you think Vatican II wasn't connected to the past or was a, a, a rupture from the past, read the documents themselves and the footnotes, okay? A lot of people have found out by reading the actual documents instead of reading what was written about the council, they're like, oh, I didn't know the council said that. And I still hear people today say things, you know, in recent times that the council said this or the council did that or the council did away with this. And it's like, no, there's nothing in the documents that did away with that. The council didn't do away with the Latin. It didn't mandate that the mass be said facing the people. It allowed for it. It didn't mandate it. You know, so many things. The council didn't change the Catholic Church teaching. The Catholic Church is still the same church. And Vatican II didn't change that. And so if you're confused, read the documents. Read what the popes have written. Read John Paul II's encyclicals. Read Pope Benedict's encyclicals. And read the footnotes. And read the other ones that went before, too. Read the encyclicals of the Holy Fathers. Even Lamoris Laetitia gives the beautiful teachings on marriage. It's just in chapter 8, there's this problematic footnote, you know, that, that does the footnote, the footnote takes a step aside from what the church has always taught. But the document itself gives you the perennial teachings of the church on marriage. Read the Catechism of the Catholic Church on the dignity of the human person on what it means to be made in the image and likeness of Christ. And this is what Paul is living. We're, we're to be Christ to others. It's not about spreading my name. It's not about worshiping a man. It's about worshiping God. And Jesus Christ is God made man. He is the God man who came to save us. And so Paul preaches the gospel to everyone in season and out of season, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether he's suffering or not, whether he's sick or well. And so we too must preach Christ with our lives. And this is what Paul did, and this is what he teaches us. So next week, we'll probably finish up the Acts of the Apostles (laughs) because we're getting really close to the end here. We thank you for joining us at Bible with the Barbers. We thank you for all your donations and your prayers. We thank you for your questions, for your prayer requests. Please keep supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio, 877-526-2151 if you can make a donation. And if you can join me tonight for Bible study at the chapel, you're welcome to come 7 to 9 p.m. Tuesday night here at at, uh, Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. Thank you for joining us for Bible with the Barbers. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests Oh my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, grant it love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares which are continually being set for the souls of priests. 
May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.